Good afternoon, everyone. This is from the Warm to the Boardroom podcast, talking about transitioning. I'm your host, Mason Wilson, Global Strategy and Operations Go to Market Ad Policy at Google, Combat Veteran, Duke MBA, and West Pointer. Today, we have my guest, Mr. Michael Dames, MBA MS. He and I will be discussing his uh, transition journey and then transitioning into a search fund in business school. So, Michael Dames is the president of Lusk Reserve, which is a search fund, and now president of Calligraphy. After time as a, both a process engineer and operations officer, he was an airborne jump master, sapper qualified engineer officer. He's a graduate of both West Point and uh, Missouri uh, Science and Technology University and the University of Chicago at Booth. And so without further delay, I'll turn it over to Michael. He can introduce himself and then we'll kind of get started and underway from there. Well, Mason, I appreciate you taking the, the time to have me on your podcast. Yeah, this truly is uh, exceptional what you're doing. I, I, I wish there would have been a podcast around like this when I was transitioning out of the service. So this is great work. And I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on here and speak about my path. So I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, grew up in a single parent household, not like the norm. I grew up, I was raised by my father. So grew up uh, playing basketball and soccer and ultimately was recruited to play basketball at West Point. Prior to that recruitment process, had no idea about West Point, what it, what it was, uh, all I saw was a recruitment letter that said United States Military Academy. And my father being the father he was, was like, hey, we should look into this and further investigate it. So started going down the recruitment process, honestly, because I just started doing more research about the, acad- the academic opportunity. And as I started researching that, had classmates and peers I was going to high school with to say, hey, this is what you could write your ticket after the end of that. And so originally... Uh, I went to West Point for the opportunity to play D1 basketball, and I was thinking so much further about once I got out, as everybody sold me on you, your ability to write, write your ticket. But when I got there, why I stayed, because I, I like how one of your prior guests Mark, put it, why I stayed, I kind of fell in love with this idea of being able to do something much greater than myself. Uh, I liked, you know, it may sound corny. I, I fell in love with wearing the uniforms and all this cool stuff we got to do in the summers. And uh, and this idea, I was a, a cadet as 9-11 hit. Then I knew we were really actually getting ready to deploy. So I was in physics classes that. And so as I was thinking about it, I was fired up and excited about the opportunity to actually go serve my country. Uh, but that was kind of after the fact. That's not what brought me there, but that was after the fact. Graduated, majored in systems engineering, played basketball for but majored in systems engineering, ultimately ended up branching engineers. Um, so went and served seven, I went on to serve for nine years and I served seven other years at Fort Bragg, jumping out of airplanes. Uh, and Mason, as we laughed, I don't know what I was thinking when I, I, I don't, I would go back and tell my young self, why did you do that? But enjoyed it, had a great time, uh, deployed to Afghanistan and Kuwait. Uh, so in a deployment setting, got you know, we were looking for mines and IEDs, built a Bailey Bridge in the Corngall outpost, which was pretty was, was pretty dangerous and kind of on the record books, but ultimately decided to transition out of the military in 2013. Didn't know really what I didn't know at the time. So I transitioned into com- a completely foreign world to me. And I just somehow thought with that West Point resume, I'll, it'll all be OK. But would have done a lot more diligence and we can dig into that further, but transition out in 13 used a junior military officer 
and went down that path. I had contemplated between using a JMO recruiting service, so Cameron Brooks and Alliance, or going back to business school. Ultimately, uh, was a little older in my career, so thought I'll go work for work first, and then from there I would uh, kind of figure it out from there. Um, and so, went first company that I went to work for out of the Army was Nucor Steel. Uh, as a process engineer that you mentioned, while I was at Nucor, just quickly realized that I would that I did not like kind of this bureaucratic large organization, which is probably one of the reasons why I transitioned out of the military. Just didn't know it at the time. So got got there and was going to the meeting for the meeting, and I just realized this wasn't it. And so that accelerated my path back to business school. So I went to business school, went through to business school while continuing to work. So I went through Chicago Boost Executive MBA. Uh, route, thinking I would start a business when I graduated, only to come to the realization I really wasn't the ideas guy. I did participate in New Venture Challenge while there was while I was there, so I did get to pitch real VCs and go through that experience. And it's there that I discovered search funds, which we search funds, or you might hear it called entrepreneurship through acquisition. So, continued to go down that path, ultimately. After a couple of years after business school, uh, raised the fund directly through a family office. And, you know, now 18 months later, closed on a business uh, work uh, called Calligraphy, which we do uh, intelligence in the logistics space and been operating this business for about 16 months. Very nice. I mean, a lot of great background, a lot of interesting stuff. And so can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what you do now? One, first, what is a search fund? And then from there, how did you go about, you know, plugging in, finding this business calligraphy and kind of that whole process? Because it's very different than most people. Sure. So if you decide, should you choose to go down the business school route or any of those items, there's this how I kind of discovered search funds. And then I'll talk about a search fund was I kind of fell in love with this idea of private equity, which to sum it up for your for the for the audience is just the opportunity to take private invested capital by businesses, uh, sort of prop them up, improve them, add additional value to them. And then there's this idea that you might sell them, sell them in the future. So a search fund is a microcosm of that. The search fund was consisted of four phases. The first phase of a search fund is that you're going to raise capital. And this capital is designed to fund your salary, a modest salary. It's designed to help you prop up your operations, so office space, marketing budget, uh, a CRM, which is where you're plugging leads into. And so you raise this fund. So that's the first phase of it. You're going to raise a fund. Second phase of it is you're going to you have two years to search for a business to ultimately step in and acquire and run. And so that goes that you 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 achieve that by direct outreaches to business owners. Uh, you achieve that by broker deals. So business owners will enlist a broker just like you would enlist a, a listing agent for your house to help sell businesses, which was foreign concept to me. So brokers, deal flow bankers will also have deals that they're they're you know paid to represent. And so you spend two years searching for a business. The third phase of it, if you're fortunate, you acquire a business, which is that's the phase I'm in now. You acquire the business, step in and run it as the president and CEO. And then finally, 
depending on your partnership or what your setup is, you are working towards an eventual exit of that business at some point, probably five to seven years down the road, or once you've created value or your partners decide we want to sell the businesses. And my particular situation is kind of an alternate method. We have the flexibility to own a business and hold it into perpetuity. So that's kind of a search fund in general. And I really learned about search funds while I was at business school. I had another veteran who alongside was raising a fund and, you know, from there just started digging in and doing research on it. And it made a lot of sense, I think, for veterans. I think this is kind of the, it made a lot of sense to me when I was exposed is because we were in a scenario where we were always being dropped into kind of a new situation and being asked to figure it out. And so when that, when I was exposed to it, it made a lot of sense because for our whole military careers, we're dropped into new roles and new companies and being asked to figure it out. And so when I first heard about the concept and it, I said, this makes a lot of sense. And it gave me the opportunity to kind of control my upside and entrepreneurship, which may sound we've talked about a lot. So that is search funds kind of in general. So one, giving the opportunity to leverage some of those skills that you have in the military to really plug and play and find a new opportunity Two, to really leverage some of those networks and skill sets and business schools. And then understanding that your gift is more in the operations and process improvement rather than the idea of something revolutionary. And I think that's, that's that's very helpful. That's correct. And I think one thing I may add to that is I think entrepreneurship, and we, we I, as I thought about it, just presented an opportunity to kind of create a wealth path for my family long-term. And I, I liked personally the idea of being able to, to control the narrative. And so if I was going to go out, you know, I wanted to kind of go out on my own accord and I wanted a kind of an uncapped upside based on the value I created. And so that was another reason, the thing that attracted me to search fund. And so in terms of funding, you mentioned a family office for our listeners who don't know what that is. Can you explain kind of that nuance of private equity and like what that funding source really means? Yes. So when you transition out of the military, which because I did not know this, when you transition out of the military, I'll, I'll address the family office setup first. There are individuals who have accumulated a lot of wealth. And so they have decisions to make with that wealth. One they can allow someone to manage it for them, uh, i.e. in Wall Street or asset managers and things like that. But what a lot of families started doing, and you've seen a high uptick of this, is after the markets crashed in 2008, 2009, they decided, you know what, we're going to pool our assets together and start to invest in different asset classes. Asset classes mean that could be real estate, that could be stocks, that could be Thing, this vehicle that I'm in, that could be other larger businesses. But really what they decided is that they wanted to control those assets and manage them and grow them themselves. And so that's that's a family office setup. A private equity scenario is when there are individuals out there who are investors who have built a track record that will raise a fund Fund can be anywhere as small as $25 million to upwards of their billion-dollar billion funds out there where 
basically there is a defined timeline to want to to deploy that capital and then there's a defined return on the investment of that capital and so this was really eye-opening to me because I had never heard of this prior to business school that there's people out there buying businesses flipping businesses we I knew more about the real estate because in the military, we try to do dabble in that in the military, but this idea of buying businesses and flipping them uh, was was fascinating and eye opening to me. I agree. I didn't find out about this till I worked for pre e firms doing growth due diligence, and I was like, "Oh, you guys really do this? This is this is cool." <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, along those lines, in order to like successfully like manage that business and understand the search fund environment kind of what was a necessary education or requirements or experience to really do that and do that well? I mean, obviously you have the master's in science, you have the, the MBA. Are those requirements? Are there other things that certifications, other pieces that are requirements to kind of really delve and do well in that field? So, yeah, I, I think the MBA certainly, and I'll just say this, I think coming out of the military we're blind to the fact that, yes, we have all this great leadership experience. And we think, and based on everything that West Point beats into us, that that skill set alone will carry us. But I think ultimately when it comes down to it, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, companies, when you're talking to investors, at the end of the day, everybody is after how can you help me create value? <laughs> I mean, it is a pure capitalist to decide how is your skill set going to allow me to create additional value. And so I would say to come down the search fast for search fund path, I mean, your barriers are to entry is you're trying to convince individuals to write, in some cases, 40,000 to upwards of million dollar checks to take a bet on you. And so I think the MBA gives them confidence that you're going to have the right proper business acumen to execute on that. I think there is a lot of respect behind West Point and our leadership ability, but the MBA paired with that allows them to get confidence in that. I am not going to say that it's, that it's not possible to go down this path without having an MBA. I would just say it could potentially be tougher unless you decide to go down this path on your own, which we haven't really talked about, which is called a self-funded search, search model, where you're basically going to fund yourself go find a business and then come back to an investor and ask them to invest in it. The one thing that is for sure is if you find a good business, you can always find additional capital and vehicles to help you close it via small business loans or additional equity capital if people believe in what you're doing. So there are many avenues to go after the search fund and really different avenues to become an entrepreneur and really implement that. And I think the other piece that you really need to have a, a good understanding to really pivot that leadership skill from what we're taught as the gospel in the military and at West Point to actually making impact and value add for other people outside, if I got that right. Yes. And one of the skills I want you guys to be sure of when you transition out is that we are resilient. And I think you're doing anything entrepreneurial I think that skill set carried me through because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't afraid to hear a no. Like in my in my viewpoint, Mayshawn, my mentality was I just need to get one or one yes or a couple yeses. And that carried me through from the fundraising 
period of when I partnered with the family office I did to when I was out there beating the path, trying to get business owner, convince business owners to sell to me something they had built over years. And so we're extremely resilient. And so that's the skill set that I want you to be confident that will carry you. I just needed the business acumen in that training to kind of level that out. Right. Um, and so I think that's kind of another skill set that could help you go down that is inherently in you that you just don't realize how strong and how, how, how much of a force it is in anything you decide to do when you transition out. And so when you look at your transition, how long do you feel like it took you to really get your footing and understand this is the value that I bring and to have confidence in those abilities to navigate the space? Oof. You know, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I did not put, I put some thought in my transition coming out of the military. So what I, you know, I looked at, I had plenty of classmates of examples that I went to business school because at that time when I, when 2004 was transitioning out, the economy had just crashed. So at our five-year mark, people were tucking themselves into business school. So I could see that I had heard about consulting and banking. I, that was about as far as I took it. But what I didn't really ask myself, Mayshawn, and I, and this is kind of one of my points that I would have people take away is that I didn't do enough soul searching to figure out what it is that I was looking for. Like, I just assumed I would get out, you know, the in the army, everybody's always telling you what to do. And so when you transition out, the power in transitioning out is that's the first time you get to dictate. But I, I didn't, it took me a while to separate from that mentality because I was so used to someone telling me what I was going to do. And so I think I would have been a lot more reflective and say, what are you good at? What would you find interesting in a role? What are you ultimately trying to optimize for yourself versus just kind of going down the true path that was exist? I think we have kind of in in West Point, it's easy to fall. West Point, we can fall in that imposter syndrome where it's like every they did it. So therefore, that might work for me. And it took me to circle back. It took me. It took me four years before I kind of settled into, no, that's not the path you want to go down. Because even though I tried to go down the consultant path or I thought about it because that was tried and true and I fell in love with the prestige of it. But as I did more uh, reflecting, I realized that that wasn't my path. I was, I much more wanted to control my time. I, I, mu- I just navigated better in smaller environments where, and I was chasing something else, but it took a while to get there. I think it's an amazing point. I think uh, a lot of veterans fall into that trap of you got to go follow the herd and go into banking. You got to go into consulting and then you'll get the skill set and then you can do something else versus really doing the soul searching on the front end. Yeah. And so along those lines, I really want to understand how did you get here? So one, you mentioned that you transitioned after nine years. Can you talk Mm -hmm. through why that decision point versus kind of year five, year eight? Or, you know, waiting till the full 20. So, <laughs> so I decided to transition out in nine years. And I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I should have transitioned out in five years, but I didn't have the courage to take that leap of faith. I was very comfortable in what the military provided for me. I was very comfortable that I knew I was going to get a check. I kind of knew what that path was going to be. 
And so I was fearful, to be honest with you, at five-year mark, because I didn't know what the other side looked like. And I didn't have enough faith to say, you know what, you're going to be okay. And so finally, when I got done with command, I knew that if I was honest with myself, I wouldn't have been a great staff officer. I just wouldn't have been excited about it. I wasn't excited about what that next trajectory looked like. But inherently, you know, in West Point, we're we have that skin that we can grind through anything. But really, when I when I transitioned now, I chose command initially. And this is going to be one of my other points initially, because I thought I would be more marketable after command company command when I got out. <laughs> right. Like they're going to care that I led more people <laughs> when I got out of the military. And I, 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 I'm going to tell you, the most humbling thing was when I when I transitioned to Newcore Steel, most of those guys would. Went into the guys that went to Nucor with me to my division I went to were five and fly guys. So we ultimately, despite my company command, ended at the same spot. But in my mind, in my ignorance, I thought it would somehow create a better opportunity for me if I could tell people I commanded these people <laughs> in, in the military. But again, I was really awakened. Well, well, what value can you create here at this company that's profit and loss? And so that was kind of a rude awakening. But Ultimately, nine years is when I decided to get out. I think that's that's a really good point about the, like the marketing piece and the grain of salt about who you're getting your info from. Because I can <laughs> I cannot recall the number of majors, lieutenant colonels that were like, "Yeah, they care about company command," and you're like, "I guess," but like, you <laughs> do you know really? Right. It was people who I was asking who had never made that transition. Right. So it's always interesting to see people get off. I've met you know, it's come full circle. And the further they get out, it's like, I was all this in the military. And you have to have these real dialogues with them where, yes, people respect the military services you provide, but we are jumping into a different game. And now it's about profit and loss. And how do you, how do you add to that equation? Like, what are the skill sets you've built that allows you to help me grow that top line or make this company more profitable? Yeah. And the same longevity question that people have in the military it's like, well, if you're already at 42 versus like 27, then I'm asking myself some questions about like, well, when are you going to retire? Or like, you've already retired. Right. So do you really need this job? All of those right. things are very good points. And so like when you left, like one, when did you start thinking about that transition path? And then who did you reach out to during that journey to figure it out? So I started thinking about it in command. I think by the time I had been in command, I had really had enough. I had been through enough scenarios where I was like, you know, let me start to look at this. Um, who I who I leaned on were existing classmates who had taken the leap four years ahead of me. And so I I remember having several conversations with them. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, how did you decide on this? At the time, I was thinking about business schools. And so I was like, why did you choose this business school over this business school? And so I really went deep down that path because I just assumed that's what I had seen tried and true ahead of me. But I did not. And so that was about 12 months out. But I and I, I did not know or start to read books until it was kind of, you know, learn about what a sales function was and an operations function. So I was probably two months out. So although I, I'm telling you, Mason, I started 12 months out, I didn't really start until it was probably a couple months out and getting into stuff that I think is useful in making that transition. 
You know, I, I didn't know what an op, you know, I just knew that you could go in sales, you could go in operations. That was what I was exposed to, but it was, it was, it wasn't very deep in what and how you how you factor into all of that. No, great points. I feel like the the number of functions that you think you can do in the outside the military, people tend to like be very limited. And like it's but I, okay. but I will put a plug. I mean, one of the things. You know, sometimes I get into I I talk to alumni and we talk about these junior military recruiting services. The one thing that I will say is if you're thinking about just going to work directly, one of the other things I did is I joined Alliance. I joined Cameron. I was looking at interviewing with uh, Cameron Brooks, which are kind of some of the ones that at least they were out there when I was there. It might be more now. But one of the things they did help me start to do, though, was prepare to interview, because I think. As a military veteran, we're not used to or we're kind of taught not to just talk about ourselves and our accomplishments. And that took a long time to build that skill set. Right. Like the who, what, why and how it was impactful. Right. Like that's just not a very natural thing as a West Pointer to do. And so those folks were helpful in me getting several interview reps very quickly to start to build that muscle. Because that's what it was. I wasn't used to talking about that and even looking at the world that way. So I think they were part of helping me transition is educating me on what was out there in that in that scope that was obviously beneficial to them because, right, they get placement fees and so on and so forth. So you get the exposure to the companies they work with. But I'm not going to knock it. It, it, it. it at least sped up that learning curve because I did not know what was out there. So that it helped and assisted with that. I agree. Uh, I think that the challenge is right, switching from the team of like, we did this, you know, my platoon and I we were there together. And they're like, no, but like, right. so what did you do though? What we want to know right. you doing? What's the impact? And that takes, that takes some, some time. Cause you're like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to toss my team under the bus or my NCOs, right? Like, no, it was them. It never was me. All that, all that good stuff. And so I guess along those lines, why did you decide to use a JMO firm, especially right? I mean, candidly, right? People have these conversations. They'd be like, yeah, I would never do that. And like, da, 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 da. They want to make me a plant engineer and like, let's say, you know, rural Kentucky. And you're like, not that, bro. So can you talk about like that? And then ultimately, like what brought you back from using a junior military headhunter to then to business school? Yes. So... When I was thinking about it, I started off trying to do onesies and twosies where you network with people and they have kind of these job postings and roles out there as I was moving towards transition. I think the challenge with that is your your date is kind of approaching, but you're trying to figure all that out. And so it's hard to kind of bank on getting a a job lining up perfectly in time because, and I did not understand that at the time, but it makes sense now that I feel requisites, right? Like they're not holding jobs for six months. It's, it's some of it is a nature of timing. And so as I started going down that path, I was like trying to line up and find a job by yourself. It could work. It may not work. What I, why I started going down the JMO route is I felt like they did a good job of pooling several jobs together very quickly, prepping you, you know, they have their, they all have their reading programs, prepping you to, for those interviews and really giving you looks very fast. And so as I assessed and zoomed out, I said, 
okay, that, that seems like a good idea. Let me give this a try. You know, I, I didn't, I don't know that I necessarily talked to any alumni within those groups, but I just, it made sense, right? I needed to find a job. They, they make it easy on you. Hey, you're going to come to this conference in one weekend and you're going to walk out and have three or four interviews. And so it just seemed very, it seemed like a very streamlined process. And as West Point is right, we're all about streamlined efficiency. And so it's very streamlined and efficient. You go though, and as you go, you know, and I, I would caution this, this is in every situation. A lot of companies want military talent because this leads me to why I went to business school. They want military talent. They recognize this gap in their succession plan. As more, more people retire, and get out of the military and get and retire from these corporations, they think, you know, as military veterans, we could fill a leadership gap, which can be true. But what I quickly found out that can be overcome is that sometimes the execution on that is not as great. We're accustomed to this great training that the military does. I think I did not realize how great the military was at training us, but like, we're used to walking in and being trained on everything and and with breath. And I think sometimes in the corporate sector, we miss it. You know, we I say we because I'm you know out there now. We missed the mark on that, and so I became very frustrated with. I didn't know accounting, but there was really no one in there to turn to teach me accounting. So I'm being asked to be a process engineer and cut costs, but I had really no exposure to that. We were just kind of thrown in there and being asked to figure it out. And I just being, I remember being very frustrated by that. And that, you know, in solving for that, I said, okay, if you're going to be able to do this, whatever you decide to do, now may be time to go to business school because you, at least you could accelerate and increase your learning very quickly, or you can wait it out and hope somebody will train you along the way, or you'll just get it by experience. And so it was that paired with the fact that I had this discovery about how I just didn't think large corporate was a fit for me. And, and so those two things are what pushed me in the direction to start applying to business schools through the executive MBA route. And so high quality training, really understanding kind of what's going on. And then from there, I think you made a really good point about when we make that transition as veterans, they often ask the question like, oh, how well do you deal with ambiguity? And I feel right. like for the military, our ambiguity is actually pretty focused as opposed <laughs> yes. to broad aperture. They're like, how do you deal with ambiguity? You're like, well, on the battlefield, like I can do this type of ambiguous situation, but everything else around me is organized. So I can focus just on this. You have your FRG, you have logistics doing what they do. You got artillery in the back, you got aviation over here, and they're all doing what they do. And you focus right. on this piece of the battlefield. That's it. And corporate, you go like, this why and they'd be like, how's this ambiguity? You'd be like, oh, that looks very different than what I'm used to in ambiguity. I think that what I would say though is in the military, at least with the ambiguity, you have a baseline. I think sometimes we don't, you know, if you I think veterans, we are we can deal with ambiguity with a baseline. And I think that's what business school does a great job of closing for us is building that baseline knowledge that we just don't have when you get thrown out in, in, into these new companies. And so that's what it gives you. It, it kind of reinforces that confidence. So then you can deal with ambiguity. But I remember going to meetings and not knowing a PL sheet. I was like, you know, the, the first time throwing being thrown in a job. And it was like, yeah, you know, in the military, it's use or lose. 
and I was managing projects and it was like, no, hey, we're trying to cut, you know, like it, there's actually a cost association with that. So you're saving money and budgets. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a very, uh, very interesting world that, that, that you're thrown into. Definitely. And so, you know, based on all this great experience and amazing lessons, where are you trying to go from here? Are you trying to, you know, run this business perpetuity or trying to find, you know, continue doing the search fund thing? Where do you see yourself heading next? So, Mason, we, me and you have spoken offline about this, but ultimately my goal is to, to create a good out, a great outcome with the, with calligraphy, you know, like create an outcome, whether that's, I move the company to a world where it's self-sustaining and then I move on to the next thing. But ultimately my goal um, is to, is to go on and run many companies. You know, I, I would like to, I, you know, I, I think one of the entrepreneurship can present a path to black wealth. And I'm very motivated by this idea. And it was part of my business school essay is to be able to buy and infuse, you know, you know, people of color infuse their businesses to grow. Cause you know, one of the, one of my goals is to kind of grow in that. And so I think if you were to ask me five to seven years, I'd love to be in a position where I was now investing in business with a specific mission set, set statement of kind of infusing, you know, minority owned businesses and helping them take the next step. That's the five to seven year vision, but you know, I, hopefully I, I'm working towards that, but that's, that's my goal. That's, that's a great goal. I mean, I think we all, at least most of us generally aspire to something like that, right. To, to build a legacy for, for our family that they can, you know, enjoy and makes their lives just a little bit easier. And so based on that, I know we talked a few about some of your lessons learned. Were there any resources that you used in your transition, whether those are books, podcasts, you mentioned the JMOs. What else did you use to kind of make that transition happen? So mistake I made was I just used, I leaned heavy on those JMO so resources. And so I'm answering this question kind of hindsight, but I leaned on those JMO recruits or like class slash classmates who were ahead of me. But I, I'm going to be honest with Mason. I wasn't a great networker when I first got out of the military. So I could have leaned heavier on networks, but I networked with people I knew who were in my circles. Podcasts weren't really prevalent. You know, I'm dating myself, but they weren't pre prevalent when I was transitioned out of the military. LinkedIn, I don't even know. I don't think LinkedIn existed when I transitioned out of the military. So didn't have those resources. I would have read a ton, though. I would have started to read to, you know, good to great books like that to start to build those that business acumen. But yeah. those were those. Those were the tools that were at my disposal, I guess, at the time when I transitioned. Yeah, I love I love good Jim Collins book. You mentioned there were a couple other books that, that you recommend people read and check out. What, what were some of those? So not necessarily specific, but I, I'll give you insight because I've heard some of your podcast guests who've made great recommendations. Any of the 10-day MBA stuff, if you're wanting to build that foundation, it's great resources. But specifically, if you're interested in the path I chose, one of my original inspirations was actually uh, a book by Reginald Lewis, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? And so that was my exposure in the kind of private equity funds in this world that was out there. Reginald Lewis just happened to be a Kappa. And so I was inspired by that. And so went went down that path and read that book. 
some of the books that are also specific to what I've done, that's kind of on a big scale. But if you want to get very tactical and practical, some of the books I recommended about search funds or entrepreneur through acquisition is a book called Buy Then Build. Great resource that talks about just this aspect of how you can buy a book, talks about the financing, how you could get that done. Great book. How to Buy a Small Business by HB, uh, it's HBS.org. So talks, of, again, gives scenarios of businesses bought, how they were bought, how you start to put the financing together for it. Great resource uh, website. There's a guy out there called Jim Sharp. He's a professor at HBS uh, that has done a ton of research, and he has a website that's out there that helps can help build that foundation. Any of the Jim Collins books are great. We talked about that, but I wanted to give recommendations of the books that were kind of specific to the space I'm in. No, I think all great recommendations. I've definitely added already a couple of those to my reading list. And then kind of looking back on your transition, uh, you mentioned kind of the different learning points that you had, specifically to like your last assignment or your transition, anything that you would change. Um, you mentioned one, networking and kind of planning out, but everything from your last assignment, your exit, the benefits, anything else that you'd like to highlight for some of our listeners? Yes. So one, start networking early. And when you network, be intentional about what it is you're trying to gain from that individual. You know, write a note, obviously be on time, but be thoughtful about what it is that you're trying to learn from them. You know, when I first started networking would have been, hey, I see you're in investment banking. Like, tell me about it. That's probably too broad. Hey, you're in investment banking. You spent, you know, how I might prepare better is, hey, I noticed you're in investment banking, specifically tech investment banking. You went here. How did you help me? How did you come to that decision? So it's next level preparing to network. I had no concept of that, right? Like, and then, and so really taking the time to prepare for networking with individuals so that you can get the best out of time and get the best out of it. Use Utilize that new internship program. I would have loved to have been able to intern with the company before I transitioned out of the military. I think that's exceptional that they have that program out there now. So take advantage of that so that you can kind of get used, get us get a glimpse of what you're stepping into, right? Here's a nugget. If you think you're going to get out in five, if you're going to get out in five years, I would have actually started studying for the GMAT either in my senior year at West Point or that a year after that. Because you think about those shortcuts and sets that you have that could build that muscle. You're no, you're that is when you're at your optimum student prime, I, I feel like, right? It's, and so I would have taken the GMAT. The score is good for five years. I would have taken the GMAT. In that year after that, even if I'm thinking about the score is good for five years. So that's a nugget that I, I try to throw out to people. Veterans don't like to hear this, but start taking care of yourself in the military. If you get hurt, if you get injured, document, document all of those things. Make sure you're going to the doctor. You don't have to go on profile and be that guy, but go to the doctor and physicians. Have it well documented and organized. It's not it's, it's not a there's nothing to be ashamed of to go get your VA benefits when you get out of the military. You're entitled to those. You came into the military a certain way at a young age, you're going out of it a different way. So document those things and go get your benefits that you have earned. So I would say that when there's a lot of pride around that, but that's a big, that's a biggie and stay persistent with it. You may not get the benefits the first time, but stay persistent with it and get the benefits you're entitled with. That is a way that I paid for business school was through 
through those benefits. And I wouldn't have known that unless I went deep down that path to, to, to discover that. Lastly, kind of taking self-inventory. I hear that a lot. That's a consistent theme may shine on your podcast, and I think it's a valid one. What am I good at? What would I love to do? What would I be passionate about? I think sometimes we fall in the trap, especially as West Pointers, as wanting to achieve this certain success success and status so I can go back to the five-year, 10-year reunion so people can look at me. But I think I am of the belief now that if you find something you're passionate about and that you're good at, like we would love to believe we're good at everything, everything, and that's just not the case. Assess what you're really good at and you're passionate about, then the money will follow or your at least your purpose will be fulfilled. And I think that I didn't put a lot of stake in that. And I think that's worthwhile really taking inventory and, and assessing that before you get out. I mean, all amazing points. Can you talk about one kind of that paying for business school piece? Because I think often we talk to a lot of veterans that are getting out there like, you know, $200,000 for law school, business policy school. Like I can't afford that. Like maybe I should stay in and get my, my GI bill or, you know, da, 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 da. Can you talk just like a higher level review? Like, how did you do that? Yes. So Mason is right. If you stay in long enough, you do have the GI bill. That's one avenue, right? If you stay in to a certain time, you have access to the GI bill. Another way to pay for is if you get out and you are of a certain disability rating, when from the VA standpoint, there is a gym program out there called vocational rehabilitation. Not, not a lot of veterans have heard of it. Voc rehab basically says, well, I was a paratrooper. So one of the things that also pushed me away from my first job was I got bad knees and back. And so I was in a, in a manufacturing facility humping around and it just didn't meet my disability ratings. And so one of my arguments was I had went down and tried to interview for enough job and realized that an MBA was probably a necessary skill to open up kind of more of your consulting, more of your banking, more of your high level tech jobs. It's a requirement, a barrier to entry. So vocational rehabilitation is a program that is out there that will, if you're if approved and you have your story together, and I'm happy to be a resource for anybody who wants to, t- to, to learn further, but Basically, your whole tuition can be paid for and, you know, and books, tuition, your stipend is not the same as the GI Bill, which we can talk about in specifics. But at the end of the day, your whole education is paid for versus the GI Bill, depending on the school you go to. And let's face it, some of these top tier business schools, some better than others, there's a cap on the funding that is there, even with the Yellow River program. So vocational rehabilitation was a program I took advantage of and uh, you know, ultimately my MBA was paid for. And so then there's other things out there that I learned along the way. And I, people have made mention consortium, great resource. If you haven't heard about consortium, great program out there to help minorities transition into top tier business schools, barrier to entry, get into the program. Then you start to rank schools, but a lot of top tier programs in there that will pay for you to go to business school. Talked about the MLT program, which has helps you prepare it. But those are some pay-fors that are out there that veterans don't even know exist. All great ones. Uh, I've used pretty much all those programs. Uh, yep. Can't recommend them highly enough. I think in addition, would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit more about, one, when you do that transition process and kind of get those benefits aligned, helping helping people understand those expectations? 
right? Because often we apply for programs to go through this process and we don't realize how long it takes to go through the <laughs> process, apply for a benefit to actually have it, you know, actually start working for you. Can you talk a little about that process? Yeah, that's a great point. I'm sorry I breezed over that. As we know in the military, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. No different when you're transitioning and you're using some of these government agencies. I'm just going to be honest with you. You need to start early with those processes because it takes time. Correct data point, Mayshawn, for my vocational rehabilitation, it took eight months to get that approved. You think about if I was waiting to the last minute and applying to business school right there in the moment, I might have missed that boat. So all of this stuff takes time. So once you recognize you're eligible for the benefit, you need to backwards plan. If I want to go, if I'm expecting to apply first round in October and I start in September, it's probably too late. But if I'm knowing I'm, that's why this, the, the, if I'm transitioning out and business school is a route or I've transitioned out and I know I want to go to business school in a year, you need to start that early. So one, get a good, get your score set up and start to work those channels early and be persistent. You're going to get frustrated. And may sound correct. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to feel like nobody's trying to help me. But at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest advocate and you have to stay at that because you're entitled to it. And so if you stay at it and you work persistently at it, it will eventually come through. But you need to give yourself any of that stuff, probably 12 months, I would say, just to process. At a minimum, I would give it 12 months to process. I think all great points. Um, I'd say the other piece, right? VRE and some of these benefits do vary by state as well. And so, correct. So, I'll something, some, some tidbit that I'll add, even on that voc rehab, let's say I live in Georgia, but I want to go to University of Texas at Austin. There's the state you're currently living in, and there's a process to get your case transitioned to that state because, to Mayshawn's point, it is that state office that is releasing the funding to support you for that university. I did not know that. I learned the painful way of that. And it's like, you have to give itself time. You got to get approved by that office only to get shifted to another office. And all of that drags and takes time. Yeah. And it can also vary by counselor too, even within that same office. Correct. Uh, But all great, great points. Because I wish someone had told me some of that because... Sometimes it can be it can be a headache and a heartache. So especially if you're like, I'm getting out in August and I start school in September, just brace yourself. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. We've covered a lot of good stuff today, Mike. I mean, you've dropped some some amazing gems. Um, is there any other advice that you would give to future veterans? You know, can you think back to, you know, young basketball players or, you know, uh, engineer officers or Kappa's? How, what, what advice would you give them that we haven't covered already or some other gems? So I've dropped a lot of nuggets. What I want to give is confidence to folks. West Point has prepared you for a lot of things. Your army service has prepared you for a lot of things. We've talked about a lot of these things that can supplement you. But if you're thinking about getting out of the military, there is one thing I will say is there is a world, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Be confident in your abilities. There's, you know, tactical things. You, if you learn how to network, learning how to write resumes, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So don't be afraid. You know, you, you have the skill sets. You have the talents. Tap into your network. 
you know, use things like the, these podcasts to kind of help to reach out to people and build that network, but you're going to do well. There's a, you know, there's, there's tons of pathways out there. And I, that's what I wish somebody would have been telling me. Cause I had doubt. I didn't have that kind of understanding that, man, that I could, I, I can go out here and really do well. And so that's what I would say to you is trust in your abilities, be thoughtful, but then go out there and crush it, go out there and crush it. No, all great nuggets. Um, and so if people want to follow up with you to learn more about, you know, your search fund or calligraphy, um, where can they do that either on social media or websites and then any other initiatives or things that you're working on, books, articles, all that good stuff? So, yes. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. So Michael Dames on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Michael Dames out there, but feel free to reach out and connect with, with me on LinkedIn. Um, I am very deliberate about networking with other military veterans and West Point grads. And so reach, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the start point. And then from there, we can swap information. And I'm, I'm more than willing to give give up my time. You know, my only ask, and Mayshawn knows this, when I talk to people is that they give up their time to the next person. So that's that's kind of my model. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and from there, I'm, I'm happy to exchange information and set up a time to talk. Most definitely. We appreciate your time, Mike. We appreciate all the great nights. We wish you all the luck with calligraphy and where you go to next. Thank you.